Welcome into the Sound the Horn podcast. It's Danny, and I'm here with my brothers Ben and Riley, and we're going to be talking a little bit of sports today. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Well, I'd be doing better if the Jazz didn't blow like a 20-point lead in that game just now, but other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Hey, I'm yeah. feeling I'm feeling great. It's all right. I mean, my bracket's busted. I guess that's what March is all about, but uh, other than that, you know, we're getting close to baseball. We got the Masters here soon, you know? I mean, spring's coming. It's been warm over here, you know? I guess I can't complain too much. Yeah, brackets are busted. But the Jazz have lost five in a row. Like, I know we don't talk a lot about NBA, but as a Jazz fan, like, this is painful. Like, we got to figure hard out how to, to watch. some of these games. Yeah, it's been a little hard to watch. But, you know, overall doing well. Baseball's coming up. Excited for that and looking forward to the Final Four. So, I know we've got Final Four matchups coming up this weekend. Kansas Villanova, Duke UNC in the Final Four. Didn't see that one coming. Like first time ever these two teams have played in you know all the history of duke unc never played in the tournament come on it's pretty crazy to think that there was still history to be made between that you know in that rivalry between those two teams yeah after watching that game coach k's last home game where unc wrecked the party and now they're lining up again in the final four um, it's pretty interesting yeah, I don't know why I didn't call that. We should have just seen that and called it from the beginning, you know, seeing that that was a possibility and went for it. But, uh, you know, all good. I mean, somebody talked about UNC making a run, but you that kind of brushed off. So I don't know. All right, let's move on to the next. No, I'm just getting sorry, Riley. What? What, what were you saying? Were you saying something? I'm just saying, I mean, I didn't call them to the final four, but I did talk about UNC making a run. I said they were playing good basketball at the end of the year. I don't I know if I recall probably... that. I'm trying my memory. <laughs> Memory's gone. I don't know what happened. All right, you guys are getting I old. I get it. Alzheimer's is kicking in. Uh, I think you said Elite Eight. I don't remember Final Four, but yeah. We'll, I did say we'll Elite Eight. That. I did not say Final Four. I will give you that. Yeah. Uh, I will say I did call the Kansas loss, or, or not the Kansas, the Gonzaga loss. I, but I, you know, it, they just, they did not look good in the tournament. And that they kind of showed it that they just, they're not consistent enough on offense. But the Chet Holmgren, some of those fouls that fouled him out were a little bit questionable. I'm not sure just, what was going just on. Just wait, there. that kid's a freshman. You know, let's give him time. He'll be the next. You know, give him time. Get a little bit bigger. Get a little meat on the bones. What? What is in the NBA or what? What do you mean? Whoa, he could stay in Zags for a little bit. Come on, Let I don't see stay. that happening. What, what reality are you living in that Chet Holmgren's <laughs> coming back for another season at Gonzaga? Well, I'm gonna work. I'm gonna hold on to it. So leave it alone. All Every right. time, I'm... I just do know that if I saw, I saw the Zags lose to Arkansas, and then I saw Arizona lose to Houston, and all I thought was Danny's gonna be insufferable <laughs> because he <laughs> called those exactly as they were, and I just couldn't even begin i had to ignore all text messages i was like he's gonna be insufferable i wasn't too bad jessica yeah well we'll talk bracket next week a little bit more but our sister she's been the most insufferable and we'll talk a little bit about that next week as we're looking at the final four though which of these two matchups are you most excited to watch well first of all before i get to that actually an aside we had some crazy upsets this year peacocks to the elite eight like that's just that's never happened before, but I will say, when we get to the final four, look who we've got: Kansas, Duke, Villanova, 
UNC. With all the craziness that happened in this tournament, we get the four blue buds at the end. Blue like, it's blood nuts. final four. Yeah. It is definitely a blue blood final four. I mean, outside of putting Kentucky in there or, you know, I don't know how you can get more blue blood than UCLA. You know, I mean, it's right there with just the top names of college basketball for the last 25 years, 30 years, 40 years. You know, I mean, yeah. it, do, yeah, it does back. not. It's hard to get more classic than that final four, which is pretty crazy. Like you said, we were looking at all these upsets and like anything could happen. And granted, there's an eight seed, but that eight seed is UNC, like not a typical eight seed making it into the final four. Yeah. Yeah. But, so as you're looking at this, which game are you most excited to watch this weekend? As, so I'm uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead ben. Oh. All right. Well, so for me, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, I I am obviously more excited about UNC Duke just because of the rivalry, and I think that's probably what we're all going to say, just because it's crazy, it's unprecedented, unprecedented, it's something that happens that, you know, those games are always fun to watch, even if they're regular season when one team is up at the top and the other one's way down low, it's always a fun matchup to watch, and now we get to see it at the highest stakes you've ever seen them play. I don't think that anyone could have written that up better. And I, I, how am I going to disagree? I mean, we're talking Coach K's final year. We got first time ever in the tournament, the Blue Devils and the Tar Heels. We got final four matchup going to the championship game. We got the greatest rivalry in all of college basketball. I'm not going to say college sports or sports, but college basketball. And it's right up there. You can argue in the argument of all the sports. It's right there. Uh, you have UNC beating Duke in the last regular season game of the year at Cameron Indoor, the last Coach K game at Cameron Indoor. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how you could be more excited for the other one. I think, unfortunately, Kansas, you know, is probably going to should be expected to roll through that game um, with some of the with the injury at Villanova. And and what that brings to the table. So I think that you definitely have to pick Duke UNC. Yeah, Justin Moore with the torn Achilles definitely hurts Villanova's shots against Kansas there. Um, I Yeah, Duke UNC is going to be very interesting. Rematch there. I want to see what's going to happen. Ultimately, I, I picked Kansas to win it all. So I'm very interested in the Kansas game. Want to see what happens there. Even though my bracket's busted, my winner is still here, so I can still kind of win the bracket, more or less. All right, I'm going to move us in a little bit, move us away from college basketball. Let's talk some pro sports. So if you've been following, New York City right, has had the vaccine mandate for all employees working in New York or in the New Jersey area that they had to be vaccinated to be able to come into work. Kyrie Irving hasn't been able to play home games. And now, with baseball coming back, you had Pete Alonzo, Max Scherzer, and you had Jacob deGrom, all who had not been vaccinated and potentially not be able to play home games for the Mets. The mayor reversed course this week to, so that they could start playing the, in their home games. Who benefits more from this, the Mets or the Nets? Riley, I'll uh let you go first. Okay, well, so me looking at this, 
I think that the Mets is what I'm going to go with just because you think about their starting rotation and how that changes and how that throws things off. If you've got those two main guys that cannot pitch at home and momentum that that kills and what that causes to that, like you said, like I said, to the rotation and how you get those guys lined up for their next starts. I think that's a huge deal for the Mets where I, I mean, Kyrie Irving in the last few years has shown that he's got his issues no matter what's going on. I think he's going to help make a difference for the Nets, but I think for the Mets, it's a much bigger deal because they're having to think about a lot of different things when it comes to having to sit those guys at home than the Nets were with just you lose Kyrie Irving at home. So I think it's way more simplified than that. Who benefits more? The Mets do. Guess how many games Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer and Pete Alonso missed? That was zero. We're talking, we're at the very end of the NBA season, and now Kyrie Irving gets to come back. Now, granted, the Nets are going to benefit from having him back, and if they can make the playoffs and make a run in the playoffs, that's obviously a big benefit, but they're not going to have a lot of home field advantage there either. So I think that there's no doubt it benefits the Mets more, and uh, mostly that's just because... They haven't missed any games yet. Yeah, I don't know. The, the regular season for the NBA, outside of playoff seeding, really doesn't mean a whole lot. Now, there hasn't been a, a team lower than the three seed win the championship since the Rockets did it in the 94-95 season with Hakeem Olajuwon, right? And they were a six seed that year. So the Nets are going to have a tough road to be able to get in. But... I would not want to match up against them in the playoffs. You get Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. You've got some players there. You don't know what's going to happen. And come on, the Mets, like no one had expectations there anyway, right? So the Mets, they're the Mets. Oh, I don't know. But the, the Mets have got a team this year. They've gone and made some moves. I think that they've said that contender. before, though. They've always, they always do that in the offseason. And then what happens in the regular season? They don't do anything. They had teams. They made the World Series once. Yeah. Does that count? They were in the World Series a couple of years ago. Yeah, 2015. But yeah, but I, yeah, the Mets, they're just so up and down. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Looking at this, though, if we're talking about the Nets, we're going to start to move into a little bit of a game of sound on, sound off. And so our first one for this. Sound on or sound off, Nets making a playoff run. And by playoff run, I mean getting to like the Eastern Conference Finals. Ben, you first. If you're saying Eastern Conference Finals, I'm going to go ahead and say sound off because that means that they got through the Bucks or and the Sixers. I don't see that happening. I think that we're looking at a Bucks Sixers Eastern Conference Finals. I don't see how they get through both of those teams, uh, even with Kyrie Irving playing in Brooklyn. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and go sound round? off for that reason. I think that they could make it to the second round for sure. I think that that benefits them. I don't, you know, I mean, who who else is there? The Heat, you know, I mean, there's a couple good teams, but I think they could definitely make it to the second round. But as far as Eastern Conference Finals, that's out. So I'm going to go sound off. I'm going to go sound on. I think that that makes a difference. I think if Kyrie can be the Kyrie with KD that he was with LeBron, I think those two are a duo that is hard to stop. 
So I think last year they were that close. Of course, they had a little different team, but last year they were that close to moving on and it was, you know, a couple of close games. So I think that absolutely they could make that run. I think they match up pretty well with the Sixers, to be honest with you. And so I think that they could make that run to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm going to go sound on. I think it's possible, but I'm going to agree with Ben on this one. Sound off. I think, yes, you have to. You're talking Bucks, Sixers, but I would also say Cel- the Celtics have been playing some really good basketball. They are the number one team in the East right now, and nobody's talking about them. Right? You've got two stars on that team with Tatum and Brown that can that can play, and the Heat are they're a really good team. They have a really good coach. They've been to the finals a couple of years ago. Granted, it was in the bubble, but you know, like they they have a little bit there. I think it's a tough road ahead of, of the Nets, and I don't think they've been playing consistently good basketball long enough in order to make that run. I think it's just it's hard to just turn it on come playoff time. And I don't think that they are ready to just make that switch. So moving from there, sound on, sound off. Do we get a Suns Bucks rematch? Riley, sound on, sound off. Uh, honestly, sound on. The Suns are playing phenomenal basketball in the West right now. Now, the West is a tough side to make it through, but you can also see some of the teams that have been up on the West not playing the greatest basketball recently. I think the Suns are right there. I think they've got that bad taste in their mouth from last year and they want that ring. I think that Chris Paul has been fighting to get to a ring for his entire career. And so they're going to do what they can. They're going to put it all together. And like Ben's always on this horse, but Giannis is Giannis and he's been doing Giannis things recently. And so I will agree with Ben on that. So I'm going to go sound on on that. I think that I'm going to also have to go sound on and it's more a matter of I can't see any other scenario more likely than than Suns Bucks. I mean, you know, sure the Sixers could get in there. Sure there's a couple teams in the West, but like Riley said there's not exactly any team playing as well as the Suns are right now in the West. Uh I think that you know, if you put a gun to my head and told me I had to pick the finals matchup this is the one that I definitely pick. There it is. That's all I got. I'm going to go sound off on this one. I agree with you guys on the Suns. I, I don't see anybody else in the West. The Warriors, I don't think that they're putting it together. I don't see Memphis as they're not a real contender. They're too young. And the Jazz, the Mavericks, they're just the Nuggets. They just don't have enough to put it together to really challenge the Suns right now. I think the Suns get through the West actually fairly easily. But I think that James Harden exercises his playoff demon. And I think him and Embiid find a way. There's just too much offensive firepower there. I think they're, they're going to figure it out. And they get to the finals this year. I, this is a weird I, – I, I'm saying James Harden. I, like, I should – it sounds – it tastes terrible coming out of my mouth. But, I'm, but I am going to say it. I don't, I don't even know how you say that name and yeah, expect him to not have to success. Mention, like, I, not to mention – what gives you any sort of inclination that he's going to exercise playoff demons? Yeah, just a hunch. Just a hunch. You're, you're all right. Copy that. I had a hunch on Houston. Um, so let's talk about like sleeper team from each conference. Like, you know, if we say it's not the Bucks or the Suns, 
Like, which team do you think could surprise us and in, in getting to the finals? Miami. And is it weird to say the Warriors is a sleeper team? Does that even count? I don't think I don't know if the Warriors could be a sleeper at this point. I don't. Uh, I mean, it's hard sleeper, to find somebody. But... Who am I going to say? The Jazz, the Mavericks. I don't really, honestly, see any of them doing. I mean, I guess the Jazz have the talent to do it. Um, if I had to pick one, maybe that's it. But I think that Miami's still a sleeper team. You know, they got a lot of talent without a lot of big names. But you know, with Jimmy Butler and you know a lot of experience, I think that you know there's an outside chance there of uh, of Miami making that run. I'm. I'm going to jump on with what Danny said earlier, and I know they're not much of a sleeper, but I think they're forgot about, which is the Celtics. They have been playing good basketball lately. Right now, they kind of are a sleeper because people just aren't talking about them. And everyone's expecting Bucks or Sixers, Bucks or Sixers, and even the Heat are getting some, but no one's talking about this, the Celtics. So I'm going to say they're kind of a sleeper. And um, on in the West side, I think sleeper team, I, I think, if the Mavericks put it together and Luca's doing Luca things, they can make a push. They can get hot. They can win some games. It could happen. Other than that, I'd also see maybe the Clippers because Paul George just came back. Uh, that makes a big difference for that team. As we were talking about, they have good coaching. They're able to make adjustments. They're able to work through games. And uh, I think they, they were close last year. Uh, granted, they don't have Kawhi Leonard. But Paul George is a big difference maker on that team. You know, Riley, you and I are thinking the same. I, I think the Clippers could surprise some teams. And if they – I just – Ty Lue is such a good in-game coach, and he does so well in the playoffs. So like, we saw that last year with how well he was able to adjust and get the most out of his players. I think he's a very underrated coach. And I'm also thinking, yeah, Paul George coming back, Kawhi might be back by the playoffs. I don't think there's any in the, I doubt it. I don't think he will be, but if he's back, I think that makes a huge difference. And then on the East side, I still think the Nets could surprise people. I think they've been, you know, there's a lot of firepower, but people they're the eighth seed right now. They've kind of been forgotten or they've been brushed aside, but I think the Nets could come in. You could have two teams coming from the play-in game go to the finals. I think it's a, there's a possibility there. All right, I'm, yeah, I, Ben doesn't think so, but it's possible. All right, now I'm going to move on. If it's popsicle, now. it's possible, right? That's right. We're gonna go. We're gonna talk a little bit just about replay at the end of basketball games. If you've been watching college basketball lately, there's been a lot of reviews, a lot of replays at the end of the games. It's happening in the NBA too. So sound on, sound off. All of the replay that we see at the end of games. I'm I'm totally sound off. I'm not totally against replay. I'm totally against overanalyzing everything in replay. We were just talking the other day about, or Danny and I were talking earlier about the Villanova UNC championship game. Villanova wins their championship based on a replay that they took 20 minutes to figure out. And they realized that like one of the hairs on the guy's pinky brushed the ball as it was going by to go out of bounds. And that, that calls out of bounds on, UNC. I'm not a UNC fan, but I think that's just, that's insane to me that for a hundred years in that sport, that was widely considered 
out on a certain team because you could see it in real time. But because they go and they look at that replay and they can see the slightest little brush, they're switching that over and they take 20 minutes to do it and it slows the game down and then you're stuck, you're stuck there. And I think it just really is not good for the game. And so if they were to make it quicker, make it like if it's something you can't see in 30 seconds, then it's not overturned. Like it has to be obvious and quick and let's move on. So I'm kind of sound off. Yeah, I'm going to go sound on and I'm going to argue with you a little bit on this. I think that you, you bring up what's been going on for the last hundred years and how things have went on. The difference is, is we don't have TV cameras and angles like we do now, a hundred years ago. You know, now everybody from Villanova would be still belly aching about losing that game because the ball was out off of UNC. They should have had the ball. They should have had a chance to win. You got to get the call right. We live in a day and age of 4K ultra high definition TVs with 97 camera angles in the stadium, especially on these big games. You know, nobody cares about some Mountain West matchup in January, but when we're talking NCAA tournament games, we're talking big time playoff games. I think that you don't you have an obligation to make sure that the call is right. Um, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but man, I mean, you would take so much away from the game by saying, no, it's this way because it's been that way for a hundred years. No, the call is right one way or the other. See, but I think you take away from the game by taking away that human element. Like that's part of the game is the human element that's involved there. I'm disagreeing with you on the human element part. I think you want to get the call right. What I think, Ben, what you're missing and what I think the NFL definitely understands and why they are the leader in sports right now, it's a TV show, right? And there is nothing exciting about watching five minutes of did this ball maybe change direction or did the spin change slightly here? Who's it off of? We've got to shorten this. Like, there's no reason for the officials on the court to be standing around a TV trying to figure out who it was off of, especially when we're sitting at home and we can see that a whole full 90 seconds before the officials get to that point. You got to have some sort of buzzer system, some sort of like headset or something to where, just like they do, you know, eye in the sky at the NFL level where they get it wrong, they come in and within 20 seconds, they get the call exactly where it should be, where it was out of bounds, if it was a catch, no catch, whatever it is. They've got to have something to be able to just say, hey, you got this wrong, fix it, and move on. Because Okay, that's, that's it, different not, from tweaking it rather than, than saying no replay or, you know, we can't have replay. We can't, like, there's a difference between it taking five minutes, just like baseball. Baseball went to this thing of replay and they're taking way too long. Some of these times you got to put a clock on it. I agree with you on that, but I also think that we need to make sure we get the calls, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm for replay, but I'm for instant replay. We don't call it instant replay anymore. Now it's just replay because there's nothing instant about it. It needs to be instant replay again. That's if it, if it takes more than 30 seconds, Sorry, no, like keep it on the field because keep it whatever you can't, it was called you as. can't tell. You can't right. tell. And that's yeah. what I'm trying. Yeah, that's I'm with that. And I think that's where if you're going too advanced and extreme, pretty soon you've got robots calling balls and strikes and the MLB and all this other stuff. And it it you don't want to totally take away from having officials. Uh, I'm as a high school umpire, I 
I would do robot umps. Like, why not do robot umps in the MLB? Like, why not? Put, I don't get it. I put get robot umps out there. Like, have a consistent strike zone. Pitcher over game. here, he wants he wants to be able to work the strike zone by like locating. Yeah, or, like what I'm I do. I want to no, be able to work a strike, a strike zone. Have a consistent strike zone. I want throw to be strike. able to. That that strike zone is determined. Strikes are no, it's not. Subjective. Strike zone is very listed in strikes the rule are book. subjective. Wrong. It's listed in the rule book. It's very clear uh, about what a strike is. Good thing if Riley was playing basketball, we would not have consistent baskets. It'd that that one wasn't a three pointer. Depending on who because, the official was, right? Like, that official we, ruled out a two pointer because he liked it because it was a little bit inside. He thought that's isn't that what a foul call is? Fouls are explicitly put in the rule book, but they're different based on situations and players and officials like there's still some element of that in everything no yeah you're wrong on this one all right let's go to um we're going to switch topics just a little bit still talking a little bit nba but with all of the mess that's been going on with baker mayfield lately and then also seeing the collapse of the lakers made me think this is not necessarily sound on sound off it's kind of more, more of a this or that but who is more cancerous to a team, Russell Westbrook or Baker Mayfield? Ben. Okay. So I think this is, this is pretty simple. Westbrook was a NBA MVP. Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double for an entire season. Russell Westbrook is considered one of the greatest 100 basketball players of all time. Russell Westbrook is considered – one of the greatest basketball players at this day and age. Baker Mayfield is not even considered one of the top 20 quarterbacks right now in the NFL, if you had to ask me. So it's pretty simple to me that you'd have to go ahead and say Westbrook's more cancerous because you expect more out of Westbrook. You expect him to be a leader of a team, and he takes a team in the Lakers that were, you know, you know I think they were pretty good last year, to now they might not make playoffs. And you added an MVP. How are you adding? That's subtraction by addition. That doesn't even make any sense. There's no such thing, but that's what happened. I think that Baker Mayfield might be cancerous, but I mean, who cares about Baker Mayfield? Like you could replace him with, oh, look, Deshaun Watson, who didn't play in the year. Come on, Westbrook, easy answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm side with Ben on that. Westbrook has been on multiple teams where there has been opportunities for championships. When he was playing with Kevin Durant in OKC, there is no reason that team should have not won a championship. And he's always trying to consider himself. He's considered, like Ben said, one of these top basketball players. Everybody wants to argue how amazing he is, why he should get all these MVPs. And he's never been able to help his team get better like get to the point where they are a championship level team even with talent around him so he's got to be the biggest cancer i think westbrook was so ball dominant he durant wanted to stay in okc but he realized like okc picked westbrook over durant i still don't understand that one but durant realized i've got to get out of here if i want to do anything and join the warriors i like I would agree with you. What I will say, though, Baker Mayfield, number one overall pick. You took the Browns to the playoffs for the first time. But he cannot get out of his own way. Like, he is so stuck on himself and making himself the story rather than the team. 
they had the roster. They had everything in place to be able to go to the Super Bowl. But because, like, one, he's so worried about his own image. He's going to play hurt even when it's hurting the team. Like, two, like, he's constantly a distraction. Like, just does not, like, everything that he does. to know that. The Browns had to know that out of when he at his time in Oklahoma. I mean, over there grabbing his crotch on the sideline against Kansas, you know, planting the flag. All that stuff was all about Baker. And that was when he was in college. You had to know that that was going to translate. That's on the Browns. Like that's on the that's on the Browns, which leads me to our next conversation. The Browns and the Browns are the epitome of a desperate franchise. What do we do? We reach for a number one overall pick on a guy that should have been a third rounder or maybe second rounder. Baker was not a first round quarterback and we make him the number one overall pick that doesn't work. So what do we do? We go out and we get a guy who like nobody outside of Cleveland is going to cheer for, right? Like he's the allegations that he's facing. It's a PR nightmare for the franchise, but we make this move. Why? Because we're desperate and we have nothing going on. You also have what the Dolphins did, giving up five first round or five draft picks, two first rounds, two second rounds, in order to get Tyreek Hill to pair him up with Tua Tagovailoa and try to get something going on the offense there in Miami. So as you're looking at that, which of those two moves was more desperate? The Browns getting Deshaun Watson or the Dolphins going on in all in on Tyreek Hill? Riley, I'll let you go first. I'm going to go with the Dolphins. Because you've got a quarterback into it that the dude's got talent. But when was the last time Tua had a full healthy season? Even in Alabama, he did not have a full healthy season. To get through that championship game, he had to go through that crazy experimental ankle surgery to be able to play. And now you're going to go and trade all of your future away for a receiver who is electric Tyreek Hill is electric, but is he going to make that much of a difference to that team? If you don't already have enough built around to have a little bit of success, I don't see Tyreek Hill being the one difference maker in that team right now. So to me, that's a desperation move and I don't see it being the move that you wanted to make. I think there's so many other parts that have to fall into place, but you just traded away all your future to be able to kind of fall some of those parts into place. I'm calling Dolphins. You're wrong. You are wrong. Cleveland making that call, first of all, is reeks of desperation. They got nothing, so it doesn't really matter. They're desperate. Just being putting that orange helmet on reeks of desperation just for anybody. Second of all, Miami did not just reach for Tyree Kill. They picked up Sean Mostert, who's a running back. Bigger than that, he's not even the game changer. Tyreek Hill's a game changer, but picking up Armstead as the offensive tackle from the Saints, that's given to to a tag of Iloa somebody to protect him. So maybe he will be able to play a full season. You have and and Tyreek Hill, did you forget what he did in that playoff game against the Bills? I mean, touchdown, like running, like, I mean, it was it it was the craziest thing. It's gonna be what it's gonna be. It's gonna be it's gonna be fast break basketball offense on on football field. It's gonna be crazy. Like those guys are going to be running, moving. Tua is going to be running. You got Mostert's decent running back. You got Tyreek Hill. Like they're going to be going and going and going. 
and it's going to be exciting. I think that it's not desperate for the Dolphins. I think that it's investing in something now. I think there's a difference between desperation and saying we want to win. It's time. Now's the opportunity. The Patriots are down. You know, who knows? You know, the Bills are going to be great, but who knows? You know, you never know. There's still Buffalo. You know, the Jets are terrible. Now's our opportunity. I don't see it as desperate at all. I see it as taking a shot. And they made some good moves outside of just the Tyree Kill thing. Yeah, but the Browns were able to trade for Omari Cooper, who is a pretty good number one receiver. He's not Tyree Kill, but he's a good number one. They traded for him for a second-round draft pick. What I, what I have an issue with with the Dolphins is two firsts, two seconds, and another pick, and giving him all of that. They paid him quarterback money to be a wide receiver. I get that you're not paying Tua anything because he's on a rookie contract right now, but is that going to win you football games? I don't think so. Like, when was the last time the star receiver and a mediocre quarterback were able to do anything? And I think part of what made Tyree Kill so explosive and so dangerous was you paired him with Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to get the deep balls like he would. Get, he got in Kansas City with Tua throwing the ball. Tua's got – he doesn't have the arm. He's kind of a weak-armed quarterback. I think it's desperate. I, I think Cleveland is worse. I think Cleveland's worse, right? Like going after Deshaun, I think Cleveland is worse. But I, I do not like this move for the Dolphins. I think it was desperation. They're trying to get something going there. I, I just, I don't, I don't like that move. I don't like that move. Did you forget that they still have Devontae Parker? They went and picked up Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys. You know, they got a receiving core. And Tyree Kill's best things are not necessarily on deep balls. Some of Tyree Kill's best moves are taking something across the middle and then outrunning everybody to the end zone because he's a cheetah. So like, but I don't not, know, a, I, not like a Patriot cheetah, but like a di- different, different than a Tom Brady cheetah. That's a cheater. It's different. It's a Boston cheetah. It's different. It's something totally different. All right. We're gonna I, I think that they got a bunch there. I, I like what the dolphins did. And speaking as a Patriots fan, it scares me a little bit because the dolphins look good. Yeah, we'll see what happens. The AFC East could get interesting, though. Dolphins, Bills. Come on, Zach Wilson and the Jets? No? Nobody? No? No. No. All right. So let's... (laughs) Yeah. Dang. All right, so let's move into... Ben, we're going to throw one out here for you. You know, USA Soccer, pretty great game on Sunday. Um, I... Yeah, I was stuck in a training. I come out and I saw 30 minutes in and it was 3 nothing. I thought I read the TV wrong. I was like, it, what does that say? Um, but a pretty pretty amazing game. Christian Pulisic with the hat trick there. And it made me think, right now, Christian Pulisic, greatest U.S. soccer player ever. Ben, you're a soccer guy, so I'm going to let you go. Uh, my answer is right now, no. Uh, I think that if you ask me in 10 years, yes. Um, you know, they didn't even make the World Cup four years ago. Uh, you know, it looks like we're basically outside of a six-goal loss tomorrow. Going to make the World Cup again. Um, he does some great things. He's got a lot of talent. But, you know, some of the greatest moments I have as a USA soccer fan was the one moment that I, is Landon Donovan running down the field after Tim Howard throws him the ball. I mean, 
and he scores that goal late in the game and the whole, and all it is is YouTube's pretty new at that point. And you got all these reaction videos of everybody reaction to that. And uh, that's one of the greatest moments of USA soccer. I can remember. I think I saw it with Landon Donovan and Patrick Dem- or not Pat. Um, Clint. There it is. Clint Dempsey. I'm the soccer guy. Remember Clint Dempsey. I would still put both of them over the top of Pulisic at the moment, but I think that he has the talent to be that guy. I just want to see something do. Give me something at the world cup level. Give me something at that, at that next step. And, and I'll go with it. So are you just talking just international USA soccer? I, I think you, that I have to go with that. Like the, the I'm assuming that's what well. you're talking about because club level, you know, maybe he, he probably is if you're including the club level, but I'm going off of USA soccer player ever. I'm talking team USA soccer player. Like, Sure, Landon Donovan wasn't the club level player that Christian Pulisic is, and getting the money that he's getting at Chelsea after being at Borussia Dortmund. Like he, he's a high level player at Premier League. We USA doesn't usually have that, but I'm talking what he's done for USA Soccer. I thought that's what you're talking about. No, that's yeah. I'm just I'm just trying to get your where you're talking there, Riley. What do you think? Well, so I'm kind of on the same page. I was going to say to me right now, Landon Donovan absolutely was you know, the greatest USA soccer player I've seen. And I've never been more into the world cup as a USA soccer fan than when, you know, he was making those pushes and we were in a couple of world cups. You know, we haven't been in the world cup for the past two world cups, I think. And that's pretty disappointing to see. Just And so just the last one. Yeah. Were we in Brazil? In 2014, yes. Oh, okay. And so I just think it's just That's why you listen to us, guys. Look at how much we know. That's <laughs> exactly <laughs> it. Okay. And I just want to see the USA get to a World Cup and perform in some level at the World Cup for him to really be able to consider that. You know, they, that's the epitome of the great soccer players. They always talk about Ronaldo. He's amazing. Is he ever going to be the, one of those greatest not unless he can do something at the World Cup. You know, Messi, that's always been the thing that's held him back is can he do something at the World Cup? So I want to see him do something at the World Cup, like make USA soccer exciting at the World Cup level. All right. I'm going to break my rule here. I'm just going to say Alex Morgan and then move on because we have spent way too much time talking soccer. Um, Boo. This is not what we're all about. All right, real quick. Real fast, real fast. Pineapple on pizza. Yes, yes. or no? Sound on. Absolutely. All yeah. day. Why is this even a question? Pineapple on pizza is amazing. Savory, sweet. Who together. doesn't love great. it? Yes. I know. It's a, it's a great thing. There's too many haters out there. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. To close out the show, we're going to do one last thing before we head out. But I just want to remind you again, if you haven't already, subscribe, 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 subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever it is that you're getting us. Facebook, you want to like our Facebook page, we're going to be posting some things out there. Um, Just want to make sure that you're getting all the content because you know you love listening to us, right? So keep coming back. You want want to hear what we have to say. All right, last thing to close out this last week, most overlooked sports moment of the last week. Ben, what what you got? Jaron Duran 
tagging on a fly ball. And I know it's spring training, but come on. He tagged on a fly ball to center field and scored from second base. Yeah, you heard me right. Second base. That's 180 feet that he ran after the outfielder caught it and still scored. That's next level speed in Boston coming for the Red Sox. Give me some Jaron Duran love. Well, I don't disagree with your speed. Did you watch the center fielder on that play? The dude took a nap, had an ice, like <laughs> ice tea break, you know, like was talking to the fans for a little bit before he decided to throw the ball in. That was the slowest catch and throw in I've ever seen from he an was, outfielder at the MLB level. To- Plan his feet in the warning track or something. That's my guess. Like, I don't know. That was the so, but yeah, I do give you, he's got speed. So, all right, Riley, what's your, I'm, what's your moment? I'm going to, I'm going to go obscure sports moment. I'm a, I'm a nerd in a lot obscure of ways. Sports quarterly, obscure sports quarterly. We're going ESPN eight, the Ocho here. And I'm going to say that, you know, I, are you going cornhole on us? You're bringing in some, I like playing there? disc golf. Okay. Disc golf. Uh, oh, okay. And we just watched in disc golf this last week, a guy win his sixth straight Texas state championship. It's amazing. It's one of their pro tour events. And he shot like he and another guy were in a battle, but everyone else was like 10 strokes back. You know, the, the tied for sixth place guy was like 10 strokes behind them. So I'm saying like, that was, that was an impressive feat, obscure overlooked for sure. Okay, um, that obscure overlook, nobody cares. Like, you were saying nobody cares about soccer, dude, but, like, you're bringing in disc- Texas State Championship disc golf. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's big deals. That guy made at least $3,000 yeah. on that tournament, man. All right, all right, you guys went spring training and disc golf. I'm going to go a little more mainstream here um, for one of my Texas Longhorns. I, I really like Xander Shoffley winning the match play in Austin. He's a longhorn being able to do that there at his, at the, at the Austin country club. I thought that was pretty awesome. So got to throw it out to my longhorn hook. Um, there that more mainstream there. than spring training. I don't know if that's more mainstream than spring training. It's, 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 it's a regular season. It, it's a, it's a real, it's a tour tour win. So <laughs> it is WGC. I think even, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty big level. You're right. Yeah, yeah. You got the match play going there. So good job, Xander Shoffley, on the the match play win. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We had a lot of fun this episode. Hope you enjoy us. And, again, check us out on Facebook. Subscribe. Listen to all our episodes. Spotify, Apple. Love to keep you coming back. Thanks for listening, y'all. We out.